0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: And with your spirit.
0: To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy.
1: Lord, have mercy.
0: Christ, have mercy.
1: Christ, have mercy.
0: Lord, have mercy.
1: Lord, have mercy. mercy.
0: Let us pray. O God, by whose gift St. Elizabeth of Hungary recognized and revered Christ in the poor. Grant, through her intercession, that we may serve with unfailing charity the needy and those afflicted. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever.
3: Amen. A reading from the Book of the Apocalypse. I, John, heard the Lord saying to me, Write to the angel of the church in Sardis, and say, Here is the message of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know all about you, how you are reputed to be alive and yet are dead. Wake up, revive what little you have left, it is dying fast. So far I have failed to notice anything in the way you live that my God could possibly call perfect, and yet do you remember how eager you were when you first heard the message? Hold on to that. Repent. If you do not wake up, I shall come to you like a thief, without telling you at what hour to expect me. There are a few in Sardis, it is true, who have kept their robes from being dirtied, and they are fit to come with me, dressed in white. Those who prove victorious will be dressed, like these, in white robes. I shall not blot their names out of the Book of Life, but acknowledge their names in the presence of my Father and his angels. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea and say, Here is the message of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ultimate source of God's creation. I know all about you, how you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are neither, but only lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say to yourself, I am rich, I have made a fortune, and have everything I want, never realising that you are wretchedly and pitiably poor, and blind and naked too. I warn you, buy from me the gold that has been tested in the fire to make you really rich. And white robes to clothe you and cover your shameful nakedness. An eye ointment to put on your eyes so that you are able to see. I am the one who reproves and disciplines all those he loves. So repent in real earnest. Look, I am standing at the door, knocking. If one of you hears me calling and opens the door, I will come in to share his meal, side by side with him. Those who prove victorious I will allow to share my throne, just as I was victorious myself and took my place with my Father on his throne. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Word of the Lord
2: Thanks be to God.
3: The one who is victorious, I will sit beside me on my throne.
2: The one who is victorious, I will sit beside me on my throne.
3: Lord, who shall dwell on your holy mountain? He who walks without fault. He who acts with justice and speaks the truth from his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue.
2: The one who is victorious, I will sit beside me on my throne.
3: He who does no wrong to his brother. Who casts no slur on his neighbour. Who holds the godless in disdain but honours those who fear the Lord.
2: The one who is victorious, I will sit beside me on my throne. He who keeps his pledge,
3: come what may, who takes no interest on a loan, and accepts no bribes against the innocent, such a man will stand firm forever.
2: The one who is victorious, I will sit beside me on my throne. Alleluia, Alleluia, alleluia. God first loved us, and sent his Son to take away our sins. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke.
1: Glory to you, O Lord.
0: Jesus entered Jericho and was going through the town when a man named Zacchaeus made his appearance. He was one of the senior tax collectors and a wealthy man. He was anxious to see what kind of man Jesus was, but he was too short and could not see him for the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus, who was to pass that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and spoke to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Hurry, because I must stay at your house today. And he hurried down and welcomed him joyfully. They all complained when they saw what was happening. He has gone to stay at a sinner's house, they said. But Zacchaeus stood his ground and said to the Lord, Look, sir, I'm going to give half my property to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody, I will pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek out and save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to
1: you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: All right, so we're kicking on with the book of Revelation and these seven letters which are written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Yesterday we heard the letter that was written to the church at Ephesus. um, And now we've skipped Pergamum, we've skipped Thyatira. We now hear about Sardis, uh, and then we skip Philadelphia, and then we hear about Laodicea. Now, in some of these letters, Jesus is quite complimentary about the churches in Asia Minor, but um, when he gets to Sardis and to Laodicea, he hasn't really got anything good to say about them. He jumps straight into critique, and pretty stinging critique too. Have a listen to this. I know all about you, how you are reputed to be alive and yet a dead. Wake up, revive what little you have left. It is dying fast. Well, Jesus isn't mincing any words there, is he? He's making it perfectly clear what the problem in Sardis is. Their faith is dying. And what was made clean at baptism has been dirtied once more. Now, in the book of Revelation, we're going to hear a lot about white garments and garments that have been made clean in the blood of the Lamb. And so that's all still to be explained later in the book of Revelations, but here already we can see a hint about what these white garments are referring to. We hear in this letter that there are a few in Sardis who have kept their robes from being dirtied and that they are fit to come with me, says Jesus, dressed in white. Those who proved victorious will be dressed like these in white robes. So already we're starting to hear about these white robes being necessary for coming into God's holy presence. These are the ones who prove victorious. These are the ones who are conquerors. Now stick a little pin in that too, because what's been described is faithfulness to Christ as conquering, as being victorious, as winning a battle. And that's going to become a very important theme in the remainder of the book of Revelation. But going back to these white garments again, it helps us to understand a little bit of how apocalyptic literature actually functions. Because remember, we're looking at this transcendent world, this heavenly realm, um, and we, we understand that this is the true reality. This is what is really going on and that what happens on Earth, the battles that we face on Earth are actually just a reflection of what's going on spiritually in the heavens. These white garments then that become a kind of condition of entry into God's holy presence have an important echo to the white garments we received at the moment of our baptism. You see, at our baptism, that was when we were washed clean. That was when we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's when he was poured into our hearts and we were made pure. The injunction that's made to us at our baptism is to receive this white garment and to bring it unstained into the kingdom of heaven. So what's going on in Sardis then? Well, it seems as though the people of Sardis are being unfaithful to their baptism, that they are dirtying that which had been made clean, and as a consequence, they're returning to a kind of pre-baptized state. Remember the other aspect of baptism, that it is a share in the death and the resurrection of Christ. Jesus says, look, you used to be alive, but now you're dead, and what's left is dying quickly. That having been baptised, they are now falling back into death. This is a pretty serious warning to the people of Sardis, that your name can be cancelled out of the book of life. The simple fact of having been baptised and of being Christian isn't a guarantee of automatic salvation, because you need to keep your robes unspoiled. You need to stay alive in the spirit. But remember, this is a warning and not a condemnation, and so the exhortation is made, "'Wake up! Revive what little you have left, it is dying fast!' Now, it's thought that that little phrase, wake up and revive what little you have left, is actually a reference to an ancient baptismal hymn that gets quoted uh, in the letter to the Ephesians. Now, um, this is St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, right? Not the earlier letter to Ephesus that we heard in the book of Revelation. But this is what we read, right? Wake up from your sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You can hear a kind of exhortation to return back to the days when you were first baptised. To return back to the days of the pure white garment. To return to the day when the Holy Spirit was poured into you by Christ. Now, the beginning of the letter to the angel of the church in Sardis starts off like this. It says, here is a message of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So Jesus is described as holding the seven spirits of God. Now, seven, of course, it's the number of fullness, of completeness, of perfection. The seven spirits of God, less about a discrete number of spirits, but the perfection of the spirit. Jesus is the one who bestows the Holy Spirit. So turn to him and receive from him the gift of life. You're almost dead, but you can return to the one who gave you life at baptism? Okay, well, if you thought that that was uncomfortable, um, wait till we get to Laodicea. Laodicea is a rather prosperous city. In fact, it seems they suffered an earthquake in the year sixty uh, and managed to rebuild everything without any grants from the emperor. Um, so you know they're pretty cashed up, and that's kind of the problem, right? Jesus says, you say to yourself, I'm rich, I've made a fortune and have everything I want, never realizing that you are wretchedly and pitiably poor and blind and naked too. Now, there's a bit of irony contained in all of that because Laodicea, it was a bit of an economic center, uh, famous for its banking. Uh, It was also um, very famous for its garments, um, apparently had uh, a black wool trade. And then also a bit of a pharmaceutical business. They were famous for producing something called Phrygian powder, which was used to make a balm for the eyes. So here's the irony. Jesus says, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. The very things that you're famous for are the very things that you're lacking. And so you kind of get this interesting interplay between what it really means to be poor and how to become truly rich. I warn you, says Jesus, buy from me the gold that has been tested in the fire to make you really rich, and white robes to clothe you and cover your shameful nakedness, and eye ointment to put on your eyes so that you are able to see. You can't turn to the secular city of Laodicea to receive these things. You need to turn to me. And again, remember, this isn't a condemnation. This is an invitation to repentance. And so Jesus shows them. He says, look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If one of you hears me calling and opens the door, I will come in to share his meal side by side with him. Now, there's a beautiful allusion here to um, the gospel of John. Remember in chapter 10, when he talks about being the good shepherd? The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the flock. The gatekeeper lets him in, the sheep hear his voice, one by one he calls his own sheep and leads them out. When he has brought out his flock, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow because they know his voice. The mark of the true Christian then is to hear the voice of the Lord, and to respond. The shepherd is the one who comes through the gate and calls. And here too then for the Laodiceans, it is Jesus who stands at the door, and it's the Christian's who who recognize his voice and who allow him to enter into the household. It's another allusion then to the Gospel of John, this time chapter 14. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we shall come to him and make our home with him. Jesus makes that promise then to the Laodicians. If one of you hears me calling and opens the door, I will come in to share his meal side by side with him. All of that's really good news, but the problem for the Laodicians is that they are poor, naked, and blind, and the cause of their poverty, nakedness, and blindness is their lukewarmness. And here comes the stinging rebuke. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are neither, but only lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Ouch. Well, I suppose... If you're hot or cold, at least you care. If you're burning with love, then you're zealous. If you're cold as ice, at least you've made a decision. But fancy being neither. Fancy being apathetic in the face of everything that Christ has done. And there's the thing. What is it that makes us apathetic? What makes us grow lukewarm? Well, the problem for the Lauditions? Looks like they're a little bit comfortable. You say to yourself, I'm rich, I've made a fortune and have everything I want, never realising that you're wretchedly and pitiably poor, blind and naked. Perhaps that becomes a good little point of examination then for us. Where have we grown a little bit lukewarm? Where has our love gone from zealous to apathetic? My guess is that if there is a bit of lukewarmness around, um, it's probably because we've sought our security in worldly things as opposed to in Christ. Like the Laoditions, we've thought ourselves rich because of what the world could promise us or because what we've managed to secure for ourselves in the world. But instead, we need to recover that gold which has been tested in the fire that will make us really rich and the white robes that clothe us and cover our nakedness and the eye ointment that really enables us to see. All of these
1: Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
0: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: And we finish by praying Pope Francis' prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, You shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test. And deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.